2: okay in five four three two one hey friends this is matthias roberts and you're listening to and sorry Ooh. let's try it again <laughs> 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 oh, okay hey friends this is matthias roberts and this is kevin garcia and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being
3: hi i'm emmy i'm 27 <laughs> and i'm also queer It took me a long time to say those words, but today I get to say them with love and pride for myself and my community and for the journey that embracing my identity has taken me on. I used to think that the way that I felt and the thoughts that I had made me unclean. There was a time when I believed that being queer would take away everything that I dreamed of for myself. But now I know that living as my authentic self is literally the best thing ever. I finally got to have a first date that actually gave me butterflies in my stomach, but ultimately allowing myself to be openly queer gave me so much more than just a satisfying dating life. Sharing with other people the parts of me that I thought I needed to hide in shame ended up inviting me to have more authentic relationships, not just with other people, but also with myself. I learned that there isn't a single part of me that I need to be afraid of. And as wild as this might sound to some people, I am grateful that I am queer. It's truly been an incredible gift in my life. And I'm also so excited to marry the woman of my dreams next summer. Sometimes it feels like I'm living in a fairy tale, but it's a super awesome queer fairy tale.
4: This is episode
2: 87, and it's a special episode. What are we doing, Kevin?
4: Today, we are going through half of the stories that were submitted for this 90 Seconds of Truth project that uh, that you came up with and then you asked me to be a part of. And I'm so grateful because it has been phenomenal to see the response Mm -hmm. on social media, and it has been... Uh, beautiful to listen back to these stories and I'm excited to share part of them with our audience today and then I'm also excited about sharing the other half tomorrow on a tiny revolution yes. uh, which is my podcast and like this is, is, is this the first crossover
2: episode I, we've ever I done I think it is like we've been on each other's podcasts, but we've never done like a joint episode
4: before so oh, we're so fancy we Look at Look us, at us go. becoming <laughs> women on the internet let me tell you <laughs>
2: Uh so for people who don't know what has what has been going on in the last week, like why we're even doing this. Um,
4: mm-hmm. um
2: do you wanna give a little like background on that? Yeah. And, and
4: all that fun stuff. Yeah, fun. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> That's a word for it. Mm. Well, um it, I think it was uh last Tuesday or Wednesday, um Bethel posted this thing on their Instagram. And for those of you who don't know, Bethel Church is a very large um more charismatic um charismatic and conservative church uh, out in Redding, California. You probably know their music, um like Bethel Music and Jesus Culture. All that's out of Bethel. And um they posted this thing on Instagram. Well, it was probably back, I guess, like towards the beginning of the year, they launched this thing called the Changed Movement. Mm-hmm. And Changed Movement for them uh, was basically saying, oh, there's hope for change from your homosexual desires. There's a way for you to live in purity. There's a way for you to basically um, stifle yourself. Yeah. Continuously. Um, and, I, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the language that they're using is the same language that was used by folks like Exodus International mm-hmm. and other ex-gay movements throughout the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, and early aughts. Right. Um, so it's it's basically the same reparative ex-gay therapy repackaged um, in a much nicer way. Mm-hmm. Like it's, They seem much more loving, this, this go around, but... That does just because you're more loving does not mean that th- these these words this movement of saying like any th- uh, the thing about it is is that the, the the toxic theology that they're they're spewing is that queer people are not loved exactly as they are right and that's deadly it, I mean it is deadly I, I, I was talking
2: to someone this morning out I was having lunch with someone and, and she was like I was so shocked when I saw this and yet not surprised at all. But that kind of mm-hmm. idea of like, I thought we were done with this. Like, I thought this kind of ended. At least it, the this kind of public ex-gay movement kind of ended in in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. I think it was. Yeah, I thought it was like twenty twelve was when Exodus closed their doors. I mean, Alan Chambers, who ran that, literally said ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people who went through Exodus International did not experience change,
4: which means that only point zero zero one percent of some one person experience change right and and i think that's the dangerous part
2: and and like justin lee talks about this in his book torn so many other people who have gotten on mm-hmm. facebook or, or twitter or whatever in the past week have shared this this sense of like what they're peddling isn't change like it isn't a change sexual mm-hmm. orientation but instead it's changed behavior 100 and and i think what you and i are trying to say and what so many other people are trying to say is we don't even have to make that choice that choice is a yes. false i mean it's a false truth it's a false gospel mm. god jesus the divine does not require us to have to choose
4: mm-hmm. between our sexual orientation and our faith that's that's 100 it and um as someone who at least, I mean, I, I preached on Sunday, so like, I guess for right now, I'm definitely still a Christian. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, you're, you're right. Like, God is not concerned about how, you know, with who you love, but God is rather concerned about how you love. Mm-hmm. Do you love people well? Are, do you, um, exist in relationships that are equitable? Um, are you able to see yourself as valuable? to to this world and to what God is doing in this world because um I think what happens and this is something I think it's really interesting uh, I was talking to someone else about the reason that this one hits so hard and the reason that this is so dangerous is that people keep recognizing uh or they keep trying to say like that this your sexual orientation is tied directly like you were saying to an action or to a right. sex act that this is just change in behavior not change in orientation that's the problem is that like when you demonize someone's sexuality it's not just uh, saying that behavior is bad mm-hmm. because sexuality is not about behavior all the time sexuality is how we perceive beauty and how we connect with other people and how we form relationships. And I think ultimately it's how we relate to God because Mm. all sexuality is, is really just this creative, beautiful force that's, that just wants to connect, that wants to be known, that wants to be seen and appreciated. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like this, the reason that this is so dangerous is like, it's not, again, not about the behavior like you know i have um you know i have friends who are you know catholic monks and so like you know celibacy is a whole nother conversation um but this in particular the, the teaching that you in order to be pleasing unto god in order to live a life that is holy must change your orientation or not act upon certain desires or emotions or feelings surrounding romance and love that's wrong
2: it is wrong I mean, the the thing is like the the complete lack of integrity Yes. Um, because I I think, I mean, if when you really start pressuring people who are are in this movement and asking those hard questions, like Alan Chambers talks about this, like we really start asking like, has your sexual orientation actually changed? Mm -hmm. When it comes right down to it, the answer is no. And yet they're selling this idea. Like the whole movement is called Changed. Yes.
4: I mean, like, they're just like, no. And like, that's the thing I was so, was so funny is like their third poster or whatever that they put up that was just like, we like, Jesus loves you and so do we. We're not here to tell you that LGBTQ people who don't want to change have to change. Um, actually, um, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, because the thing is, if I came to your church and I said, I am queer and I don't want to not be queer at your church, I would not be, I know I wouldn't be allowed to participate. Right. I know that I wouldn't, like, I couldn't be on the prayer ministry. I know that I couldn't lay on hands on nobody. I know that I definitely couldn't be a children's church person. I know that I couldn't be a youth. You know, it does, it doesn't matter. And, yeah. and I
2: think, like, for anyone who's just hearing the emotion in our voices, I, I think the frustration is, like, we have been through this before. Mm-hmm. Kevin has experienced ex-gay therapy. I was permeated in that world for years. It's mm-hmm. so heartbreaking and frustrating to see it coming back with a force that, I mean, quite frankly, like it's evil. This yes. is not good and it doesn't produce good fruit. I mean, mm-hmm. And to see our siblings having to wrestle with this all over again, right? Th- these stones placed around the necks of people mm. that don't need to be there, it's infuriating.
4: You know, we don't need to like rehash all the stats over and over again. But like, we, we, or maybe we do. I mean, like, we might. <laughs> I mean, let's just go there for a second. You know, like, if you are someone who is a part of a non-affirming church or non-affirming household, the likelihood that you're going to attempt suicide goes up. The mm-hmm. amount of people who experience, um, rejection from their family and their church community, uh, their chances of their mental health problems, having depression and anxiety, um, you know, getting involved in risky sexual behavior, all of these things go up when you do not have a safe place to belong. Mm-hmm. And that is what the church, this is what Bethel is doing, is they're making church, the one place in the world that is supposed to be a sacred and safe refuge from the pain of this world, is creating the pain in this world. Mm-hmm. And that is evil and that is antichrist. And, and, and people will look at us and say, oh, you're just picking and choosing what you want from the Bible, but let me remind you what is in the Bible. Come on, somebody, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Book of Luke. There's a story where a woman who had been bent over and it said like a spirit had oppressed her for 18 years. And she came to Jesus on the Sabbath in the temple and he said, Woman, you're, you're, be healed. Healed her, stood up straight and she, she was healed after 18 years on the Sabbath, and all of the, the synagogue leaders are mad, like, Jesus, you know, six days for work, one day for rest. Why did you do this on the Sabbath? This isn't right. This isn't kosher. And he says, would not a man untie his donkey from the manger and lead it to water even on the Sabbath day? So why is it that this woman who has been oppressed for 18 years should not be set free on the Sabbath day? And when I hear that, I say, I hear Jesus saying, why, are you, why do you care? Like why like why can't you see the suffering that's right in front of you? Mm-hmm. And so on that day, Jesus said about the Sabbath, like, I have the authority when I experience suffering in the world to say that's wrong. And so if tradition is hurting people, then tradition is wrong. And I have no problem saying that. Right. Because you know who you know who has appointed me? Jesus Christ. Amen. Come Amen. on, somebody.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Sorry. No, that's so good. Um,
2: I I think we should like just, we should jump into stories Mm -hmm. and because like, I mean, we had so many people submit yeah this whole project, 90 seconds of truth. People got 90 seconds to call into Kevin and me and, and share their story. And, and these stories speak for themselves. Like, yeah, that's the
4: thing it's like on the other side of this whole thing, as much as we're complaining of all this, the stories that came out of this, like, that's what this whole project is about is the counter narrative. Yeah. right that's yeah. teaching and preaching better theology with our lives
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. i mean if, if this work is about liberation it's mm-hmm. about setting people free which is the work of jesus come on and we have so many stories to share with mm-hmm. the people who want to listen about people being set free and and truly set free not being placed into a box yeah and and i mean for everyone like kevin is is releasing the second part of this tomorrow and mm-hmm. um so tomorrow wednesday um like this is a this is a
4: two-part kind of thing uh on yeah. our.
2: so be sure to listen into it and subscribe to tiny revolution tomorrow. yes as and, well.
4: yeah you can find that all over the internet apple podcast spotify over on my website the com slash podcast and it'll be yeah it'll be released um wednesday morning so tune back in for part two of 90 seconds of truth let's dive in
0: My name is Jen, and I am a daughter of Christ. I am also bisexual. When I first discovered this part of me, I knew that God loved me like he said he always would. It wasn't until I started hearing things from other people, people that I looked up to, in the church that I began to shrink in on myself. It made me question my faith and who I was as a person. It made me question who I was in the eyes of God. But what joy I have found in the truth. The truth, that is, that my future relationship with a woman will be just as valid in the eyes of God as my relationship with a man would be. For the first time in a long time, I have hope for the future because God is the only one who created me. He is the one who carves up my path. He is the one who longs for me to be authentically myself, to be authentic in how he created me to be. No one else gets to tell me who to be or how to live out my relationship with God. To all those who still have that fear and that uncertainty, how wonderful is it that we get to say, God, I am who you say I am. He did not send his son to die for us so we could live in fear, but so we could live and love and be the beautiful people that God created us to be.
1: Hi, my name is Sarah, and I am a recently out bisexual woman. I am also pursuing ordination in the United Methodist Church. People often ask me why I stay in a church that is fighting so hard to keep me out. The short answer is this. Change happens from the inside, and there are many of us, queer folks and allies alike, who are fighting just as hard for change. I believe in a God whose love is wide enough and deep enough for all people in all places. And I trust that bit by bit, person by person, that love will spread throughout the church until every barrier we have erected throughout history to keep people out is torn down it will get better but we have to make it so
5: i'm rye i'm a pansexual transfilmed, non-binary individual i really didn't know that about myself until i came out a little over a year ago but if there's one thing i've known all my life it's shame for 20 odd years i was told i was a man but i always felt like a poor excuse for one self-esteem was low for a number of reasons, but that shame, it was the biggest one. It's just this heteronormative God that was forced on me from childhood. They just reached a point where I couldn't even follow them anymore. I didn't just stop being a Christian. I actively hated this God. I despised them. I wanted them to leave me alone and just turn their back completely on me. But lucky for me, that God didn't. They still loved me. They loved me enough to guide me towards queer friends online, despite what was going on in my real-life situation. They had joy. They had stories. They had peace. They had something to help me find myself. And with that, I was able to find true happiness and self-esteem. I'm not exaggerating. Becoming queer literally saved my faith. It gave me a more abundant life. My name is Michael, and I identify as gay and non-binary. I used to hate myself for being gay because I thought that God hated me for being gay. Then one day, I asked the Holy Spirit what they thought about my sexual orientation and gender identity. And the the response really surprised me. They said, I made you this way. Stop fighting how I made you to be. Before this, I was really depressed and suicidal. I couldn't even get out of bed. But then I came out of the closet started to accept myself, and I'm no longer depressed. I'm actually starting to live my life and thrive. So I want to encourage you if you're struggling, God accepts you. God adores you. Ask the Holy Spirit what they think about your sexual orientation or gender identity. You can be LGBTQ and a Christian. I'm gay. I love Jesus. And that's okay.
6: I'm the mother of a gay son. A son who we only visit by going to his gravesite. We believed for years that our teenage boy should choose to follow Jesus by denying his own sexuality and embracing the traditional evangelical prescription. We used testimonies of people, wonderful people I'm sure, who said they used to be gay but were no longer to pressure our son into thinking that if only he could become straight or at least live like he was, that he would earned God's blessing and favor. And ours. He, like the great majority of LGBTQ people, didn't experience any change, only despair, depression, and a deep conviction that God didn't actually love him at all. We only wish we had heard instead the stories of queer Christians telling all of us that there was another way, a way that leads to real, abundant life, and the knowledge that God created our boy adored our boy, and celebrated our boy exactly as he was. No change necessary.
7: Hi, my name's Alex, and I identify as a gay male. And the day that I accepted myself was, I was at 23 years old, and it wasn't the day that I accepted that I was gay. It wasn't the day that I came out, and it wasn't the day that I told my parents. It was the day when I decided To look on the other side of the fence because after 23 years of hard work and inner healing and counseling and praying the gay away i decided to say god i give this up to you i take this burden of me trying to fix myself through church terminology and and church um journeys and church walkways and healing organizations And I give it to you. I'm letting go of me trying to fix myself, of thinking that you need me fixed. And that day, I started to ask my question, God, how do you see me? How do you see me? And that was seven years ago. And and me actually accepting me being attracted to men actually was a byproduct and came a few years later. I had to accept myself and who I was at, at the core before that came and how he saw me.
8: Hi, my name is Drew. I'm a gay man, and I use he, him pronouns. When I was in the closet, so much of my time, energy, and attention went to hiding who I truly was from the world. And I'm not just talking about in regards to who I was attracted to. Everything about me, all of it, went through this filter of having to live just right to please other people. My whole life was a show. For me, when I came out, almost all of that was stripped away immediately. And I'm not saying this happens for everyone. But for me, embracing that I was queer gave me a new quality of life. I was more satisfied in my relationships. I was not only able to find a great queer community around me, but I was also able to better relate to my straight and cisgender friends. I was no longer afraid of how I might look to the world. I liked myself better. I finally believe that God loved me. And I have better relationships than I ever did before. It's because I'm finally authentic. It's because I finally embrace who I am. And it's because I finally see the power that being queer brings. It's so funny. I spent so much of my life trying to ditch being gay, but now I wouldn't want to trade it for anything. There's something special about embracing your queer identity. I don't even know that I fully know how to articulate it. But I can tell you, for me, I have found so much hope so much joy, and so much love being queer.
9: Hi friends, my name is Bailey Bronner, and I am a queer pastor. I want you to know that wherever you are, however you identify, no matter who you are, you are a beloved child of God. You were created just as you are for a holy purpose. Beloved, I need you to know that you are not a mistake. Your identity is not an accident. Nothing about you is broken. Just as the moon and the stars and the trees and the oceans were created, you too came into this world from beauty, from a God with God's hand on every strand of your glorious soul and body and spirit and DNA. I want you to know simply how deeply loved you are and that nobody and nothing will change that.
10: Hey, y'all. This is Dr. Robin from Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I just want to send a message to folks who might be reading what's happening with Bethel music and Bethel church. You know, I'm a theologian, and I was deeply closeted in college and in seminary because it was not a friendly place to be. And... You know, when I decided to come out, when I decided to live my truth, I decided that that was the best thing to do because I could live freely. And we all know that bad theology kills. And what we all need to be doing right now is building coalitions with one another with lines of radical difference so that we can live our truth and live our freedom and live the sexuality that is a divine right. Sexuality and gender is not something that is created. It is something that is innate. It's something that is with us. And yes, we can wax and wane about the social construction of sex and gender and sexuality. But when the institutional church, when institutionalized religion, when it damns those who different, we have to to shift the narrative. And so I'm here to shift the narrative with you.
11: Hey, uh, this is Casey. And I just wanted to um, say that life can get so much better um, should you choose to step away from the toxic theology um, that is taking place in your church or in churches around you. Um, I was in the deepest, darkest, most depressed place I'd probably ever been um, when I was a part of a church, and I was closeted and Um, I just, I wasn't able to see the influence, the negative influence it had on me until I was able to step away. And, um, once I stepped away, I was really able to figure out who I really was and who I wanted to be and that it was okay that I could pursue that wholeheartedly and be who I've always known that I've been for my entire life. Um, and so I just encourage anyone in that position to, to do that and to know that you can be gay and you can be Christian and be blessed and favored by God and um, that it's not something to be ashamed of. You don't have to live in that shame. You can live free and um, be happier than you've ever
12: been. I'm a dad. I'm personally straight and cis, but I'm a dad of two young kids, five and two. And I don't know their gender and sexual identity and want to raise them in a community and a church that doesn't teach them that in order to change or that in order to be accepted, they have to change or that in order to be viewed by God, as fully themselves they have to change or that to be known or to know others or to participate or to worship that they need to be somehow different than they are i want them to grow up in a place where they're accepted for who they are no matter what that is and where their identity is celebrated and the fact that churches are teaching people that you can be a better part of this community if you change, or that you can be loved more if you change. is just saddening and enraging. It's not what I want for my kids, and I hope for more. And I thank you for the work that you're doing, and I hope that Bethel and other places like that can understand that everyone is loved for who they are and that there's no need to change.
13: My name is Andrew, and I'm a queer man. I'm Australian. During the 1990s, while an undergraduate, I became a Christian in a conservative evangelical church. After almost a decade in the church, I could no longer reconcile dissonance I had over LGBT inclusion, gender equality, biblical literalism, Jesus as a radical, and social justice. I had to leave. My friends stopped talking to me. No one persuaded me to stay. I lost faith in Christian community. I lost my faith, full stop. I didn't think I could be both queer and Christian. The theology I had learnt said that was impossible. But I embraced being queer and build a career working on LGBT and gender issues. Yet in the last couple of years, I've realised I need faith in my life to help make sense of the world and my place in it. That calling compelled me to seek out different ways of reading scripture and understanding the divine. I've embraced a compassionate God who loves creation, including LGBT people. I've embraced Jesus as a radical who brings liberation and love. I've become a Christian again, though I might call myself a Jesus follower now. I've learned you can be queer and Christian, and my faith is more progressive now. It compels me to embrace diversity, to celebrate and love what is good in the world, and to strive to make it a better place for more people. I don't think I would have that drive without being both queer and a Jesus follower. My
14: name is Emily, I'm gay, and I love Jesus. When I first came out to myself, I was unsure about my theological beliefs. I was so scared that my interpretations of scripture were inherently biased because of my identity. I was afraid it would be selfish to be affirming. So even though I intellectually believed that God blessed same-sex relationships, I struggled emotionally. So I did a lot of research. I read books, went to conferences... And the more I studied the Bible and interacted with other LGBTQ Christians, I was filled with peace and confidence that our identities and relationships are good. If you are a queer Christian listening to this, and you're unsure about what you believe, if you're feeling alone or ashamed of who you are, I want to let you know that God adores you. You can get deep into discourse about Romans and Leviticus, and that research and those conversations have their place. But right now, I want you to rest in the truth that every part of you is beautiful. You don't need to read a certain number of books or spend a certain amount of time researching theology before you are allowed to accept yourself and find peace in your identity. I am giving you permission to be still and know that you are loved, that you were made this way on purpose, and God delights in you.
15: My name is Raleigh, and I'm a bisexual man married to my best friend who happens to be a woman. When I grew up in a fundamentalist church in the 80s, I was very unsure about my sexual orientation, but I was sure of one thing. Whatever I was, and however I loved, wasn't okay with my church, my school, or God. I spent nearly a decade of therapies, groups, Bible studies, and praying to change myself into a straight man. And the damage to my psyche and self-worth has taken over a decade to begin to heal. I know hundreds of beautiful LGBTQ people who still carry deep wounds from the misguided efforts to change themselves to fit someone else's theological narrative. But today, I'm happy and proud to be a Jesus-following queer man. There's no box that can hold the complex, beautiful, diverse community of faith that we belong to. From my lesbian neighbors who help serve communion at church, to the gay couple who listen whenever my wife just needs to talk, to our asexual friend who always has a smile and a hug when we need it, To my coworker who's transitioning and worries they won't fit in at their church so they're thinking about visiting ours, the change I've discovered in my life is the beautiful freedom and hope of embracing all our wonderful queer diversity and the myriad of ways we reflect the divine image. If you're struggling to find a way to reconcile your sexuality or gender identity with your faith, hang on. Keep listening. Your community is here for you. We are queer and we are people of deep faith, and you absolutely belong.
12: Hi, my name is Travis, and I am
5: a gay Christian. Um, I was raised in church, and for years I attended pastoral counseling. I read my Bible. I attended Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday and Tuesday night prayer meeting. And night after night, I just pleaded with God to just take these attractions away, to take this out of my life. And about three years ago, I came to term with my sexuality, Um, And I realized that it is holy and sacred. Instead of pleading for God to take it away, I allowed God into that area of my life. I left toxic theology behind once and for all this past March. I found an affirming congregation in my city, and with it so much love and care. I realized then that God loves me, and I know that even more now, that I've allowed them into my life fully. And if you're hearing this and you feel scared, you feel alone, You're not. God wants to love you just as you are.
16: I came out for the first time when I was 11 years old before I knew what being transgender was, before I knew the social and political and spiritual and religious implications behind that statement and how many would take issue with it, especially so young. And as I grew up and realized over the next year what those implications were in other people's eyes, I went back in the closet and decided to just attempt to live as a girl. And for those three years that I was back in the closet, I had a cycle of once a year having a big mental breakdown about it um, and borderline being hospitalized. And so I came back out at 15 and have been ever since, which broke the cycle of suicidal ideations every six months and repression for the rest of it.
17: Hi there. My name is Arthur. I'm 22 years old, and I've been living in the AG faith uh, ever since I was little. Uh, I, I grew up in the AG faith. I uh, lived by a very distinct theology for you know 21 years of my life, thinking that uh, my identity as an LGBTQ individual had to be suppressed, had to be pushed down, and I lived very unsuccessfully in that way for 21 years, depressed, suicidal, Thinking that a part of me uh, that I seemingly couldn't get rid of was the factor that kept me, you know, distanced from God, and that was harmful. And so I, I just recently had a revelation in my faith. You know, I had an awakening, and it's been so beautiful coming into myself, coming into my my true identity, and realizing that it's helping me love Jesus and um, further His kingdom more successfully, and just being myself and being my unique. Um, identity my unique person has never been a fault it has always been something that has brought me closer to god and something that will continue to bring me closer to god and i just want to encourage any youth out there that are struggling that think they need to to push things down that they're beautiful and unique and their story needs to be heard and um jesus loves us all just the same
18: hi my name is chris i identify as gay i am 30 years old i was born and raised catholic And from the time of my conversion into the church when I was about 11 or 12 until I was 29, I thought that my sexuality was broken. And despite how much I loved God and how loved I felt in the church community, I continually tried to change this about myself. I went through at least 10 years of intensive therapy. I went to treatment. I did a countless number of charismatic healing retreats, thinking all the while that my sexuality could be broken. and could be healed. Uh, I probably have enough formation in traditional Catholic Christian, unaffirming sexual ethic that I could probably write a book on why I shouldn't be on this podcast, why what I'm doing is a sin. But finally, in my late 20s, and finally at the age of 29, I let myself feel that love that for so long I thought was a sin. And when I finally had that experience of love with another man, all of the walls came crumbling down. My heart said yes to it. My body said yes to it. My spirituality said yes to it. My sexuality said yes to it. My head and my theology didn't say yes to it. And at that point, when everything else says yes, except my theology, I realized my theology had to change and I could not be happier for it.
19: I used to pray for you, asking God to change you, believing you could walk away. But now, thank God, I am the one who has changed. I walked away from the shackles of a system that claims to love you while simultaneously hating the most beautiful and integral part of your very being. I rejected the fear-mongering words of the power holders claiming to have the whole truth about you, and I will never go back. So yes, change is possible for those of us who once believed in toxic religiosity aimed to shame. Change is possible for those of us who wholeheartedly reject the words disguised in honey but laced with hate. So do not bend yourself, twist yourself, or force yourself into any goddamn mold that someone hands you from a pulpit. Breathe life into the dark corners of your inner being that have been hidden away, shamed into submission, or pushed by fear into untruth. Let those parts of you see the light of day, because we need you, all of you. We need you not just in the pews, but in the very pulpits that once tried to crush you.
20: Hi friends, my name is Lee. I identify as a straight, cis woman minister. I've considered myself a Christian for 30 of my 37 years. I was born into an evangelical community, I was a pastor's kid and was raised on literal Bible interpretation, steeped in purity culture, and all that goes along with that. Although I've been a Christian for 30 years, I've been an embodied, shameless Jesus follower, only for the past five or so, and here's why. Five years ago, I was blessed beyond measure to join a community of queer Christians. I became a minister because my queer pastor believed in me. I let go of the toxic theology of my youth because I wanted the kind of faith I saw pouring out of my queer friends. I'm learning to love my body because of the example I've been given from my trans friends. I'm learning how to see the Bible as a love letter and not a weapon because of reading queer theology. What I want to say is that I would not be a pastor if not for these friends. I would not be a good wife and mom without these friends. And I wouldn't have a faith that I was proud of if not for these friends. I'm heartbroken and devastated that you, my friends, are being told that any part of you needs to be changed. You are beloved. You are crucial to the kingdom. You have restored my faith and have brought me back to life. And I am so grateful.
21: Being a bisexual man married to a woman, I often get asked why I choose to be so public about being bisexual. After all, people ask, isn't your marriage functionally heterosexual? But the fact is, just because my marriage... Is straight passing does not make it straight. The uniqueness of my sexual identity and orientation help shape the way I view and engage the world, especially with respect to relationships, not only to my wife, but to my children, to my friends, to the people I pastor. The theology that taught me to deny that part of myself, to hold it with shame and fear, it poisons the soul. And that poisoning not only harmed me, but it harmed the people in my life. My wife, my children, the people I touched in ministry. Since I've embraced affirming theology, since I've embraced that part of myself that I believe reflects an aspect of the goodness and beauty of God, my life has gotten better, richer, fuller. My relationships have improved. My relationship with my wife, my children, my church. Life hasn't gotten easier. We face a lot of rejection. But even in the face of that suffering, the fullness of life we've experienced. Is a sure sign of God's blessing.
22: I'm Steffi, and I am a 30 year old queer Latino woman. I wanted to first of all say to the change movement at Bethel, to those of you in it, that you are loved and that you belong as you are. Um, I was raised in a in, with similar teachings that they're teaching you that you know the the quote best most liberated way to be in relationship with God is to get rid of this thing, that this is something that's going to send you to down an evil path. Um, And I guess I just wanted to challenge that with my story and the fact that um, actually embracing my queerness after a lot of time being ashamed of it was actually what brought me closer to God than ever. Uh, God became bigger when I was able to just ask them the tough questions like, hey, God, am I okay this way? Will you still love me fully? And can I just have a relationship with you while being a queer woman? And what I got was a, just a resounding yes. I found peace in God's presence that I've never felt before. And God became bigger. So I guess my encouragement to you would be, hey, like spend some time alone with God, ask them the the, the tough questions and just letting you know that the, this path isn't easy. It's, it's gray. It's not all black and white and it's not as beaten of a path But while we are here and waiting to embrace you with open arms, and uh, we love you. Hi, I'm Gloria. I am
1: a child of God, and I am also non-binary and pan. You know, I've had my fair share of experiences of things that are not of God, but being queer was never one of them. In fact, God was the one who waited until past my 20th birthday to finally reveal to me this aspect of my character. But I wasn't going through a phase and I was not sexually sinning. Rather, I received the vocabulary to better understand my experience. Effectively, I bypassed a lot of shame that many other members of the LGBTQ community have internalized from their upbringing, and I was quickly able to feel God's unconditional love and regard. I see this as a continuation of my testimony. God didn't rescue me from the clutches of depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder just to leave me feeling like I was not perfectly made in his image. God calls us out of the grave and out of fear and shame, even if we may not have all the answers. My understanding of God is that his love is deeper, stronger, and more inclusive than the human mind could imagine. He set the rainbow in the clouds for us. Beloved, he sings and rejoices over you. God bless.
23: Hi, my name is Albie. I am a trans man and a queer individual. I am 20 when a Bible no longer feels like dead weight, when I realize it for the weapon it could be, but the grace it carries instead. I am 20 when my name feels like a shelter and a refuge, no longer a strong and mighty fortress like the woman I was, but rather solace, a sanctuary. I am 20 when the boyhood is no longer battling with the church pews, No longer a point of unwilling confession, but a sight of song. Guided by the shadow of the shepherd's crook and the will of an anxious heart, I am called, not in spite of, but because of my identity. To clear the air and correct the wayward, we are holy. There are many of us with our hearts hidden under fear and secrets, a love that dares not speak its name, and we wander under the streetlights like lost souls searching for something more. I am finding and preparing for something more, but it is okay to feel broken, weary, brave, afraid of more, as long as we promise to stumble and search on and on and on. You are beloved. You are holy. We can do this.
24: My name is Corey, and I'm a gay Christian. I spent six years denying my sexuality. I went to counseling. I was baptized several times and received hours and hours of prayer in order to what I hoped change me. I would wake up at 4 a.m. several times a week in college, and I prayed in my prayer room, and I begged God to make me straight. A couple years went by, and at the end of my college career, I met my now-girlfriend Jess, and together we prayed the gay away and thought that we could help each other. Well, eventually, we found peace with ourselves and with our relationship, and found each other falling in love with God more. I felt free and I felt at peace with myself for the first time in a long time. Being in the closet, it made me resent myself and it made me resent God. I know that scripture says, for freedom Christ has set us free, and I truly felt that. So I want you to know today that if you're struggling with the Bethel message or feeling shame or despair or judgment, that there's an army of people waiting to welcome you and love you unconditionally. Jesus Christ loves you 100% as you are right now. I promise you, it gets so much better.
25: Hi, my name is Bethany, and I'm bi. I'm almost 30 years old, and I came out to myself just over a year ago. I grew up in a Christian, a conservative Christian family, and it took me a long time to realize that I was not telling the truth about myself, to myself most importantly, but also to other people. And that when we don't tell the truth about ourselves, we're not free if there's anything I believe about the message of Jesus and the message of Christianity, it's that it's a religion of freedom and a religion of love. And since coming out, I have felt those things so strongly. It's been hard. I I was scared, but I just felt the love of God and his delight in me, the freedom that I have in Christ and the knowledge that I am his beloved creation. So, I guess my advice for people coming out to themselves or to other people is first, be gentle with yourself. Take your time. Take your time processing, figuring out uh, what you need to do to take care of yourself and to um, process what all this stuff that's going on. Um, the second thing is to find safe people. Find people you can talk to. Find people who have stories like yours. They are out there. They're waiting for you. And the last thing is to know that God loves you, not just accepts you, but loves you.
26: Hi, my name is Mitchell. And honestly, right now I'm in the process of discovering how I identify. And that process for me is one that feels very safe, very comfortable, and very encouraged because of the work of so many queer people who have gone before me and others. And I'm honestly so thankful for the ways that queerness and the LGBTQ community have influenced my faith. They have built upon a good foundation, which was love your neighbor, and expanded that so I could truly understand who my neighbor was and what that meant. Uh, The ways that the queer community have shown me true love, compassion, empathy, patience, and resilience— are things that I honestly don't know that I've learned in many other places. So, overall, just a a huge thank you to my brothers, sisters, and non-binaries in that community.
27: My name is Greg. I'm a gay Christian man. I spent the first 45 years of my life trying to fit in with the world around me, even though that meant not being true to myself. I was active in the church and I grew to hate the truth about myself while fervently praying for God to change me or to at least take my life from me to spare me the pain. I lost myself in that process and I became a zombie who merely went through the steps to get through each day. I ultimately crashed and came to understand that I had to be true to myself if I was going to survive, much less thrive. And after coming out, I can say that I've never been happier. It's been a difficult journey at times, but I no longer hate myself, and I've come to understand that God made me this way and loves me as I am. I'm speaking here because I want to speak truth against the forces like Bethel, who continue to perpetuate the absolute lie that being gay is a choice that can be changed. If gay could be prayed away, I would be the most hetero of straight men ever known to walk the earth. But you cannot change what was never a choice. And if I can offer any encouragement to others, it is this, there is freedom in Christ, but it does not come from denying who God made you to be. Rather, that freedom comes through accepting and then embracing who you are as a creation of God.
28: Hola. Hello. My name is Thomas Diaz and my pronouns are he and him. I'm sending this message from Los Angeles. I identify as a cis, Latino, male, and unapologetic Episcopalian a parishioner of Old Saint's Church, Pasadena, where we celebrate identity and believe in the movement of radical inclusion. My friends, we shall rise. Indeed, we shall rise. I know it's disappointing to see ex-gay propaganda flood our social media feeds and our lives. This is what I have to say. Rise. Rise to our call to be a revolution of love. It is our task as the faithful LGBTQ plus community To be an outward visible sign of God's all-inclusive love. To those who who are struggling with this concept of being loved by God and still identify within the LGBTQ plus community, I get you. I was once there feeling ashamed and guilty of it, but I can say that I have risen from it, and so can you. You are not alone and don't be alone. You are loved by God You're a loved by the faithful LGBTQ community. You are loved.
2: There we go, friends. That is the first part of 90 Seconds of Truth. Tune in tomorrow on Kevin's podcast, A Tiny Revolution, to hear the rest of these stories. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're listening to this thinking, wait a second, I wish I could have submitted my story. Record your story on any of your social media platforms and use the hashtag 90 Seconds of Truth. Go ahead and record that
28: message wherever
2: you are. Uh, post it to your social media and use the hashtag 90 Seconds of Truth. Queerology is made possible through your support. To find out how you can help keep Queerology on the air, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com/support. A really easy way to help support Queerology by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app or head to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear in the show or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to
20: you. And until next week, y'all, bye.